A very good morning and a warm welcome to Beckles Baptist Church and to our morning service here online. My name is Tom Fenning and I serve as the pastor of this local church. I'm going to be leading and preaching and various other people will be contributing with children's talks, Bible readings and prayers a little bit later on. Our services throughout August are happening here on our YouTube channel. You can tune in each week uh, for this. We'd encourage you please to subscribe to the channel if you've not done that already. That will mean that you get updated each and every week with new content as that comes up online. Um, it's our intention um, come September that we will be meeting back in the building as well as being here on YouTube. But for August, this is where you'll find us 10.30 every Sunday morning. Allow me to begin our service by reading some verses from Romans chapter 5. There we read this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The glorious and amazing news that is true for those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus is that we now enjoy peace with God, harmony with him, in which we can call him our Father, and in which we can know his grace day on day. And as we meet this Sunday morning, meeting to praise God and to hear from him and to talk to him, we do so experiencing and knowing his grace towards us and enjoying peace with him. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Well, let me lead us in a prayer before we go any further uh, in our service. Let's pray. Thank you, our Father, that because of Jesus' death in our place, we can now not fear you as our judge, but know your peace and favour as our Father. Thank you that we now stand in your grace because of Jesus' sacrifice of himself upon the cross. Thank you, that means that today is a day in which we know your forgiveness and your favour. And we pray that we would be people who stand on that wonderful truth, enjoying all of your grace towards us. And we pray that we might experience that grace of your spirit ministering to our hearts through every inch of our service this morning. These things we pray, thanking you for forgiveness of sins, thanking you for the privilege of being your people. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to have a children's talk from Beth Perrett, our children's worker. Now we've been working through some of the I Am sayings of the Lord Jesus. And today, Beth is going to introduce us to the next saying from John chapter 14. Oh, hi. I want to get to Bungie today. Um, I wonder how I can get there. Well, according to this map, I could go by car, or I could walk, or I could even swim down the quay. There are a couple of different routes that I could take. I could um, go this way, or I could go this way. Right, so I've got a few different options of how I can travel there um, and different directions that I can take to get there. So what if I wanted to go to heaven? Are there different ways that I can go? Can I get there by car? 
Mm, I don't know. Can I walk there? I doubt it. Can I swim there? Probably not. So how could I get there? And where do I even go? I can't find it on Google Maps anywhere. I know. Maybe if I'm really, really good, I can get to heaven. Oh no, the Bible says no. Maybe if I give all of my money to the poor, then I can definitely get to heaven. Um, no, the Bible says no. Maybe if I read my Bible every day and go to church every Sunday, then I'll definitely get to heaven. Mm, no, the Bible says no. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus is the way to heaven. So there's only one way to heaven. Not by car or walking or swimming, not by looking it up on Google Maps, but by following Jesus and by being friends with him. So Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's not one option. It's not, oh, be friends with Jesus or travel in a hot air balloon. There's only one way to heaven and that's by being friends with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. He is the way of getting to heaven by being friends with him. Well, the reason that we can be confident that Jesus is the only way that we get to be with God, to know him as our father, that we will get to be with God in heaven forever, is because Jesus has laid down his life for us. And we're not going to sing a song that talks all about how Jesus has died for us. We've sung it before, it's called Jesus When You Died. We'd encourage you, if you're at home, to sing along with this, if you can, but if you'd rather sit there and simply reflect upon the words as they come on the screen, you can do that too. i uh-huh.
to live the life that we were made for. One with God above, living as His children. We trust in His words, knowing You fulfill them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that You died for us. We will always thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It's a great wonder that we as believers in the Lord Jesus don't simply get to express our love for God in song, but we also get to talk to him in prayer, bringing before him our requests and our pleas. And I've asked Doug Ema and his wife Esther if they would lead us in our prayers. So let me hand over to them as they lead us as we talk to God now. Good morning to everyone. We're going to be praying this morning for... Uh, the people of uh, Lebanon after these explosions in the port of Beirut. We're going to be praying for the UK government as they continue to handle the coronavirus pandemic. And we're also going to pray for the Holiday Club and thinking of also Ted Smith's family as they grieve the passing of Ted. So let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you care for us. We thank you for the, your compassion. Thank you for your love for us. And thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. And we want to come to you this morning and pray uh, for others. We will want to pray particularly for all those uh, families in, in Lebanon, in the port of Beirut, there after these explosions, uh, about 200 people lost their lives. So we pray for those families. We ask, Lord, that uh, you might comfort them. You are the God of all comfort. And we think, too, of all those that were injured, about 5,000 people injured, too. And for, for them, that they might uh, be helped medically. Uh, that, Lord, that they would come through and survive this traumatic experience. And we pray for their families and friends too. And be with them, Lord. And then we think of the devastation caused and so many hundreds of thousands of people homeless as a result of these explosions. We pray for Governor Marwan Aboud. We pray, Lord, uh, as he deals with this crisis, that you would give him wisdom and help. And uh, we pray for believers there, Lord, that you would strengthen and help them and uh, may they be able to help others in this tragic situation. Then we thank, Lord, of the UK government handling the coronavirus pandemic. 
We pray for them, give them wisdom and help. May they rely on you, Lord. May they look to you for help in the coming days. We think of the NHS and those caring for those who have the virus in hospitals up and down the country. We just commit them to you. Think of also families that are grieving a lot, those who have died through this. And we pray also, Lord, for everyone that they might be sensible in the way uh, they go about their daily business and social distancing and taking care and precautions. So, Lord, we commit all this to you, thanking you that you are our God who we can come to and lean upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And in love in heaven, the Father, we just um, bring the holiday club before you and all the preparation that's going into that. We pray that you would be with Beth and the team, that you would bless them and that you would give them unity as they work together to bring your word to the children. We pray for the packs that are going out this week and that the children might um, be excited uh, about the holiday club. But Father, most of all, we pray that the word would be opened up to them, that they would come to know and to love you with all their hearts. We pray for their parents too, Lord, that they would um, be encouraged um, as the children watch the stories and that they too might learn something of you through this time. But Father, we especially pray for our dear friend Ted's family. We pray for them and ask that you would be especially close to them. We thank you that you are a God who cares for each and every one of us. And we just pray that you would give them the comfort and the strength that they need um, to go through this time without their dad and their granddad. We pray for Rachel and Beth and the grandchildren. And we ask that you would be especially close to them on Thursday at the funeral. We thank you for Ted's life, Lord, and thank you that he loved you with all his heart. And we just pray that you would be especially close to the family now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Having spoken to God in prayer, we are now going to hear God speak to us in his words. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 19 today in our sermon. Please can I encourage you to pick up a Bible and read along with us as we read this great song from the Old Testament. Psalm 19, if you're trying to find where it is in your Bible, basically break your Bible open pretty much in the middle and you're in the Psalms. Good morning church family. Today's reading is from Psalm 19, starting at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. 
It commands the Lord radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are fair, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is a great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, as we dive in and have a look at this psalm together, let us pray. First, pleading for God's help. Father, we'd want to echo that prayer at the very end of the psalm as we approach your living word today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the third week that we have spent working our way through the Psalms in August, and we've got a few more coming up in the weeks ahead. And it's amazing as we look at the Psalms, which is the biggest book in the Bible and can, is considered as the songbook of the Bible, what amazing variety there is in the different Psalms that are recorded. And this is evidenced as we just consider the three Psalms that we've looked at last two weeks ago, last week, and that we all look at this week. Uh, think back to two weeks ago when Peter preached on Psalm 17. There the scene for that psalm could have been set in a courtroom in which um, a people who are oppressed and mistreated come and bring their appeal before the just judge, the God of heaven, uh, pleading for vindication and for help. Now, it's a psalm that gives us expression about how we can pray for ourselves when we are mistreated because we love the Lord Jesus and how we can pray for others facing a similar situation. And then last week, as Roger preached on Psalm 18, it was as if we were watching an episode of um, This Is Your Life, although it was more a kind of episode of This Is My Life, as David penned it as an old man looking back on all the years of his life and was able to give expression to his love for God. And he was urging us to be people who would put our faith in God as our shield, our stronghold, our strength, our salvation. Psalm 18 is there to encourage us to trust God through all that life might bring our way. David was urging us to follow in his footsteps. So Psalm 17 courtroom, Psalm 18, this is my life, then Psalm 19, uh, where's that scene set? Well, to some extent, we could imagine it as walking round a most colossal and em enormous and glorious building, something that has been built that tells us of the skill of the architect who designed it and the people who built it. It is a psalm that is meant to leave us wide-eyed and open-mouthed at the glory of God. Uh, rather than touring us around an enormous building, actually the, the psalm takes us across the span of the universe 
and has us think of the God who made all that we see, but then the God also who has spoken to us in the pages of the scriptures. And as we see these things, we should, we should be wide-eyed and open-mouthed at the God who made all of this and the God who loves you and me. Um, If Psalm 19 does its job, if I do my job as I preach it today, we should be able to end in response of worship and praise and prayer as David does. We will be able to say personally and with meaning, verse 14, we'll be able to say, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Psalm 19 is not just simply there to make us amazed. It's there to help us relate to the God of heaven. And it will do that in three ways, by showing us that there is something to see, there is something to hear, and then there is something to say. Something to see, something to hear, and then something to say. That's the structure of what we're going to see. And my hope is it will help us praise God and worship him today. So here's our first heading, something to see. Something to see. And this is God's awesome creation, as described in verses 1 to 6. Look down with me to Psalm 19 and verse 1. If you've never looked in a Bible before, just to say the the chapters, they're listed by the big numbers, the verses there, the little numbers. So glance down with me. Little number one, where we read this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Do you get what David is saying here, the the, the man, the king who wrote the psalm? He's saying that as we look at God's creation, as we look to the skies and the universe beyond, this creation is talking to us. Like a press secretary is perpetually announcing things about God. It is saying that God is glorious, that God is good. Glance on to verse 3, little number 3. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Here is God's declaration that goes out everywhere to everyone, that he is the one who has made the world And he is glorious and majestic. His power is beyond our comprehension. His goodness is beyond our deserving. His creation is his press secretary who every day stands up with fresh things to say about how good God is. Now now don't get too bogged down in the the seeming contradiction between verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 talks about the fact that there are no speech, no words, no sounds coming from creation. And then in verse 4 it talks about creation's voice and creation's words. Well, all that God has made, how do we understand it? Well, it is God's unspoken communication. We know, don't we, that often... Unspoken communication is the most effective way of really expressing how someone is feeling. If someone gives you a cold stare, 
We can sense what they are feeling without them saying a word. If someone kicks us in the shins under a table as we start talking about something that we need to remain silent about, again, that unspoken communication is clearer than a spoken rebuke, a spoken telling off across the table. Creation is God's unspoken communication about how great and good he is, and it never shuts up. It's always speaking. Note, please, that creation isn't an end in itself. It isn't to be worshipped. No, instead, creation is like a big signpost pointing to the God who made it, saying all the time, he is worthy of praise, he is great, he is glorious. And so a natural question for me to ask you is, when was the last time that you paused and looked at something that God had made And it led you to a point of worship and wonder. Boys and girls, as you watch today, when was the last time your mum and dad, or the grown-up you live with, took you to sit beneath a sky peppered with stars, or to watch a sun going down with all the golden hues that come? Have they done that lately? Have you done that lately? One of the times that is etched in my mind, when I can remember staring up to the heavens and getting a sense of how immense it was, was at least 20 years ago, maybe even 25 years ago, I was laying on my back on the driveway of the farm where I grew up, there with my sister, my two brothers and one of our cousins. And there there was not a cloud in the sky. It was black, peppered with stars. And at least once a minute, a shooting star would score across the sky. It was breathtaking. It was awesome. And as we saw the stars up there, what does Psalm 19 say we were seeing? The afterglow of God's glory. That is what we are seeing. It was revealing what God is like. And the thing is, it's something that everybody gets to see. Did you see that? In verse 4, it says that the voice of creation, this unspoken voice, goes out to all the earth to the ends of the world, everyone gets to see it. That's not to say that everybody appreciates what is meant, because Romans chapter 1 says that we are all too adept without God's intervening grace at suppressing the truth of who he is. So people can look at the most amazing things that God has made and yet not see God because they're holding down the truth. They don't want to lead where creation is pointing them. And yet God is there. Uh, Let me just give you some stats. Come back with me for a second and lie with me on the driveway of the farm. Look up at the sky and see the stars. Let me try and give you some numbers that would help you worship God as you get a sense of his greatness. Let me try and explain a little bit of how big the universe is. And if you're someone who wouldn't call themselves a Christian, you're trying to suppress the truth about God, I hope that what I talk about now helps make that suppressing all the harder. Let me try and give you a sense of the size of our galaxy. We we know that that Earth orbits around the sun along with a number of other planets. We're in a solar system. Uh, The scientists say that our solar system is about 20 billion miles in diameter. That's a long way, 20 billion miles. It's beyond the reach of Neptune, the furthest out planet, but the Solar systems considered to be that big. Our galaxy, which is called the Milky Way, 
is made up of at least 100 billion stars, like our sun. And it is 100,000 light years across. Now, if you want that in miles, that's 588 quadrillion miles. Uh, if you want that written out, it should be on the bottom of the screen. Now, it is massive. To give you a sense of how big that is, if we're to represent the, um, the Milky Way by a train journey, picture a train journey between London and Brighton, it's 50 miles long. Imagine that represents our galaxy. How big would our solar system be of that 50 miles? it would be one millimetre long. One millimetre long. It's that tiny. 50 miles, one millimetre. Do you get a sense of how big our galaxy is? But here's the thing that will really bake your noodle, will fry your brain. The scientists seem to think that our galaxy is one of 100 billion galaxies in the universe, all of which came into being as God spoke them into being, all of which are there to announce how glorious and great God is. Do you get a sense of how small you are, how small I feel as we think of all the stars, all the galaxies in our universe, and God spoke them all into being? How massive is his power? And if a thought of all of these stars is just too much, well, David zeroes in on just our star, the sun, in verse 6 and 7, he talks about God sending it up. It's one, one writer described it as being God's cosmic courier who's sent up every day to announce about God. And again, it's an expression of God's goodness because God brings the warmth of the sun to everyone. The warmth of the sun that gives life comes with, within reach and to bless everyone, whether they believe in God or don't. And do you get the sense of joy and delight of the sun coming up every day? Well, it's compared to being like a bridegroom on his wedding day. Sense of God's glory, his greatness in all that we see. I think we sense that joy and goodness as we observe an awesome sunset as it comes down. What is the universe telling us it is God's unspoken communication about how good and glorious he is. And so my question to you is, when did you last stop to appreciate all that God has done? When have you last stood wide-eyed, open-mouthed, in wonder at all that God has made? And the fact that he knows you by name amidst all these things. When was the last time you watched the sun go down, or the stars in the sky, or the intricacy and beauty of a flower, or a thousand other things in all creation, and you've been able to say, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Everything that God has made is there to point us to the God that has made it, most supremely revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the scriptures, we're told that everything was made by him and for him. And that's just underlined as we see in his miracles, him calming a raging sea, him feeding 5,000 people, him turning water to wine, raising the dead to life. All of these things 
point us to the fact that the Lord Jesus, he is the creator God, walking around in flesh and bones. He is the one above all whom Psalm 19 points us to. So we've seen in this psalm that there is something to see. God's awesome creation. Then secondly, we see there is something to hear. There is something to hear God's life-giving word. And this is verses 7 to 11. Look at verse 7 with me. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. Glorious poetry describing God's word, the the word of God that we have in the Bible. Now, we could, for the next little while, dissect each of those lines, consider each of the labels that's given to God's word, each of the adjectives that describes it, and each of the effects that it brings. But do you know what? That would both take up way too much time, and it would murder a poem. And so I don't want to do that. Instead, let me simply drop in to two parts of the poem to help us see why God's word is something that also should make us wide-eyed and open-mouthed at God's goodness to you and me. Look again at verse 7, little number 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. That word or the label law used to describe God's written word, his scriptures, um, can refer to the whole Pentateuch, so that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but latterly can then be used to refer to the entirety of the Old Testament, all of David's Bible at the time that he writes, many years before the Lord Jesus. And in this law, we don't simply have commandments that God gives his people. Instead, we have a record of God's rescue of his people repeatedly in history, we see God's gracious provision of sacrifices through which God's people can be forgiven their many, many sins. And this law that speaks of rescue, of sacrifice, yes, of commands of the way that they should go, what is it described as? It's described as perfect, without fault, flawless. And what does it do to God's people as they read it? Brings them from the realm of the dead to the realm of the living, where it says it refreshes the soul, or refreshing the soul, that word can mean reviving. It's turning someone around from death to life. It's the experience that Jairus' daughter had at the hands of the Lord Jesus. You remember the scene, can't you? Jairus, the synagogue ruler, runs after Jesus because his daughter's at death's door, brings Jesus along, but his daughter dies on the way. But Jesus, unperturbed, comes into the little girl's bedroom, sits at her bed, takes her hand in his, and says to her, time to wake up. Little girl, I say to you, get up. And hearing the words of Jesus, she moves from the realm of the dead to the realm of the living. And actually, that is what God's law does for you and me. It moves us, as we hear it, from the realm of the dead to the realm of the living. Uh, Not physically, but spiritually. Without God's life-giving words, 
We are dead people walking. And yet with God's word spoken to us, he brings us from death to life. We, as we hear God's word, are brought like Jairus' daughter from the realm of the dead to the realm of the living as we put our faith in that very word. God's word is imbued with great power because God's spirit speaks through it. It's the thing that gives me confidence as I preach today, that God will do his work through his word. Amazing grace. And this life-giving word that moves us from the realm of the dead to the realm of the living comes to rebellious people. People have turned their back on God. People like me. People, dare I say, like you. What grace there is. No wonder it's should leave us wide-eyed and open-mouthed that God would speak this life-giving word to us. That's the first thing, just to spot. The other thing, briefer here, is just to look at verse 8. It says there, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. God's word brings unshakable joy to those who hear it, and to trust it. If you're someone who regularly reads their Bible, that should be your common experience. That as you read the Bible, you get joy because you don't see the Bible as a book that's about other people. You see that you are written into it too. Your status is changed. You see that you are loved. Even just this week, I I read on Friday... The following verses that is talking about Abraham, but then tied me into the story. It said this, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but for us also, to whom the Lord will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. In those verses, God is saying Tom Fenning is made right through faith in the Lord Jesus, just like Abraham was. What joy there is that God speaks about me in here. How good he is. And if you have never experienced some measure of that joy, my question is, have you ever really read the Bible with faith? If you're saying, I just need need some help to know where to start, give us a shout. Help us know how we can help you do that. God's word brings joy in countless ways, not just talking about us being in the right. It speaks about how God gives us strength when we're feeling weak, how God will be our stronghold while the world around us feels like it's collapsing, how God will be a shield for us, protecting us from our foe, and how God will be our salvation, moving us from a state of being lost to found. Grace there is in God's word to us. It gives us joy. And as we grasp this life-giving, joy-giving word, then we will be able to nod our heads and agree to what verse 10 says. Talking of God's words, it says, They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. One man who knew the reality of that was a man called William Tyndale. He, he wrote the first ever proper English translation of the Bible back in the 16th century. I mean, he had to flee for his life in 1535, but then was betrayed when living in Brussels and arrested. He had to endure a harsh and horrible winter in a freezing cold prison cell 
And whilst in his prison cell, he wrote to the prison warden, pleading for him for some supplies. He asked, please give me my cap and my coat because I'm so cold. Give me some some material to wrap around my leggings because I'm freezing. And if possible, a lamp so that I can read at night because it's boring in the dark. But then he says this, above all, I entreat and beseech your clemency to urge with the procurer that he may kindly permit me to have my Hebrew Bible. Of all the things that William Tyndale wanted, above all, he wanted his Bible, because that would warm his heart even while his body was freezing. And my question to us is, do we share his longing for the Scriptures? Do we grasp how good God is that Actually, the scriptures as they're given to us are more precious than any quantity of gold you could ever comprehend and are sweeter to taste than honey. That's why we as a church encourage everyone to chip in with our daily Bible reading plan, to read the same part of the Bible each day so we can encourage one another as we read it. If you've not got one of those little booklets to help you map out what to read, give me a shout, send an email to me and I'll gladly send you one in the post. What is it in this psalm that should leave us wide-eyed and open-mouthed? Well, God's glory displayed in the heavens, in all that he's made. God's life-giving word in the scriptures. So we've seen there's something to see, something to hear, and now much more briefly, something to say. Or more specifically, something to pray. Something to pray. A humble request. And this is in verses 12 to 14. The psalm doesn't end without David wanting to talk to the God who stands behind these great works in the heavens and this gracious word in the scriptures. And here we we see David pleading with God for forgiveness and protection. Little number 12. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. In light of all that David has seen about God, it leads him to pray because he knows that this great God who's made the entire universe, that's spoken his life-giving word, is a God with whom David can enjoy an awesome relationship. And so he prays to him. And he prays for forgiveness first up. In, in verse 12, he talks about being forgiven his hidden faults. Now, those aren't things that just other people can't see. They're things that David can't even see. You see, David doesn't trust his own ability to be able to see inside his heart and see all of the corners in which sin lives, the way in which it works in him. So he says, God, don't just forgive me the things I know. Forgive me all the things I can't see. And he's confident to pray for that because he knows that God is both powerful and gracious so to forgive. And so he prays, forgive my hidden faults. But he doesn't simply pray for forgiveness for past things, he then prays for protection for future things. First up, he prays in verse 13 that God would guard him against willful sins. Those are sins committed with a high hand, a deliberate sin, a deliberate turning against God, saying, no, I'm going to go my own way. And David says, please, keep me from sinning like that. And then he also prays for protection from, well, something even worse. At the end of verse 13, he says, Then I will be blameless, 
innocent of great transgression. A great transgression is there as, is there as code describing someone finally and deliberately and decisively turning their back on God and having nothing more to do with him. It's what theologians have called apostasy, abandoning their faith. And David pleads, God, in light of your greatness, in light of your grace, keep me from ever turning my back on you, please. Please. David doesn't trust his own heart. He knows that he'll lead himself astray, even in light of God's greatness and goodness. And so he prays, please, keep me from high-handed sins, keep me from turning my back on you forever. The order here is really important. Forgive my hidden faults, keep me from willful, deliberate sins, and keep me from great transgression, apostasy. You see, the person who is diligent to pray, Lord, keep me from, or forgive me, please, of my hidden faults, will invariably also pray, keep me from deliberate sin and from turning my back on you. And God is gracious to answer these things, but the order is key. Church history is littered with famous believers, even ministers in the last year, who have ended up turning their back on the faith, and this will invariably have begun with them failing to diligently daily pray, Lord, forgive my hidden faults. So let me ask you, are you regularly praying what David prays here, Lord, forgive my hidden faults, pleading that he would forgive the things that we cannot see, Doing that as we see God's majesty displayed in all that he has made, as we hear his gracious words spoken to us. Are you praying, Lord, forgive my hidden faults? And there's good good reason why we don't need to be sceptical about whether he will hear us, but we can be certain that he has heard us. Why? Well, because of what his word most clearly and wonderfully speaks of, as it speaks of his son, the Lord Jesus who laid down his life on the cross for us, meaning we can be certain that God God has paid in full for all of our sins, hidden, deliberate. And in Christ there's power not only to forgive, but to empower us to daily repentance. Whatever confidence David had, and it appears that he had much, we have grounds for so much more through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my prayer as we head into the week to come, that God would bless us with at least one stellar sunset, one starlit sky, and time to look on these things and think of the God that they tell us of. And may this week also give us opportunity to read God's words in the Bible and see it is there that he moves us from the realm of the dead to the realm of the living. There he gives us joy. And may this cash out in us praising God and cash out in us pleading with him for forgiveness, knowing he is all too pleased to hear and to answer. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this psalm. Thank you that it speaks of the heavens declaring how glorious and great you are. Thank you that it speaks of your word that gives life. We pray that we would wonder that you have spoken, wonder that you have made all these things, and might we worship you rightly, but also might we not just worship, but help us also to plead with you for grace and forgiveness, 
and to keep us going faithfully with you in the weeks and months to come. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In light of what we have just seen in Psalm 19, we're now going to sing in praise. We're going to sing a great hymn called Come, O Fount of Every Blessing. The last verse talks about how our hearts are prone to wandering away from God and pleads with God to help us live faithfully for him, just like David prays in Psalm 19. Again, you're very welcome to sing this or just to follow along watching the words on the screen as we go. Come, O fount of every blessing. Fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of god he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood from sinning I shall see thy lovely face clothed then in blood washed linen how I'll sing thy sovereign grace come my Lord no longer tarry take my ransom soul away send thy now to carry me to realms of endless day oh to grace how great a debtor daily i am constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to Thee Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave the God I love Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it Seal it for Thy courts above 
world, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Our time is nearly through. Thank you so much for joining us here for our service this morning. There are, however, a few notices that I just want to mention you to you um, for your attention, for your diaries. Um, The first thing is to mention that we've got our Holiday Bible Club coming up in a a week and a half's time now, Um, but there's a deadline coming up tomorrow, uh, Monday the 17th of August, which is when we would like requests for the Holiday Bible Club packs to come in so that we can make sure that they are sent out to the people who would like them. So if you are in planning on coming to Holiday Bible Club or you've got friends that you're wanting to invite and encourage to come, please do let us know by tomorrow that they're coming so that we can send out those information packs. And if you're sat there thinking, I'm not sure I've heard enough about Holiday Bible Club, well, we're now going to show the video that just gives a recap of what Holiday Bible Club is about this year. Hello, everybody. You are invited to join us for lots of jungle fun at Holiday Bible Club. Now, this year we can't meet in our building altogether, so instead you can join from the comfort of your own sofa. We're going to be airing at 9am on the 25th to the 27th of August on our YouTube channel. You can find it below. Come and join me and all these crazy guys as we search for the sabre-toothed hamster. There you are! Hello, I'm Jungle Jane. Welcome to Craft Time at the Holiday Bible Club. The brown bear's gone off to find some food, so let's try it without him. Let's see if we can do it. Oh no! We're lost! We're lost in the jungle! Oh no! Not only can you watch us on YouTube, but you can join in the fun from home. Email the address below to request your free craft pack. It contains lots of crafts that you can join in with, all the things that you'll need to enjoy the challenges with us, and lots of extra special goodies too. And there is a chance for you to win prizes from the comfort of your own sofa. Join us from the 25th to the 27th of August for a lot of jungle fun. Well, that's Holiday Bible Club. Please do be signing up for that and praying for it too. Let me tell you about some things that are coming in the days ahead. First thing to mention is that we have a prayer meeting this evening. That's Sunday evening at 6.30. It's happening on Zoom. You should have been emailed out information about that in the weekly email that came out. We'd love you to join us as we meet to pray at 6.30 p.m., we're going to be praying for a church nearby, um, a church down in Ipswich, um, that we are going to hear news from that one of their pastors and be able to pray for them. So do join us as we pray for them and one or two other things as well. Then this week, um, two things are happening on Thursday. The first thing is to say that Ted Smith, um, who sadly passed away at the beginning of the week, his funeral is happening on Thursday, the 20th of August at 3 p.m. This, however, is just a private funeral because of the numbers 
being restricted because of the lockdown. It's by invitation only. Please be praying for me as I lead that service, for Ted's family as they grieve the loss of him, and also those amongst our church family who are missing him acutely too. That's Thursday. The other thing on Thursday is to mention we have our prayer meeting, 7.30. Again, that's happening on Zoom. Details of that will be emailed out to you. We'd love you to join us as we meet to pray then. Then on to next Sunday, we meet again at 10.30 on YouTube for our service. Uh, We'll be looking at Psalm 20. Again, I'll be preaching then. We'd love you to join us at 10.30 and then for our prayer meeting later next Sunday evening at 6.32. Well, thank you for joining us for our morning service here at Beckles Baptist Church. Pray you know God's mercy and kindness to you in the day that lies ahead. And why don't we bow our heads and let's close with a final prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.